The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. The FDA giving the green light to Moderna and Johnson & Johnson for their COVID-19 booster vaccines. Now, it's on to the CDC. Former President Donald Trump following through on his promise to take on big tech with a social media network of his own and using a SPAC to make it a reality. Tracking Bitcoin, hitting an all-time high just one day after the first crypto ETF makes its Wall Street debut. But some on the street say there's another reason for the investor exuberance and a record quarter for Tesla as the EV maker overcomes the global chip shortage. Right on the screen, as China's Evergrande resumes trading in Asia after a week's-long halt, it is Thursday, October 21st, 2021, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan. It's good to have you here with us. Kicking off your Thursday morning, let's get you a stock on the check on the U.S. stock future, she tried to say. And we are looking red here across the board. The S&P 500 indicated down by 10 points. The Dow Jones Industrial Average off by 100. And the Nasdaq indicated lower by 27 points. And this comes after the Dow actually jumped some 150 points yesterday to hit an all-time intraday high. The S&P 500 closing higher for its sixth straight session. Crude continuing its climb higher. WTI up nearly 2% this week and on pace for its ninth winning week in a row. That's the longest since 2015. Oil prices this morning, WTI just a hair under $83 a barrel here at 82, spot 96, and Brent crude is at 85 and 12 cents. Let's take a look at crypto. We're watching the space as Bitcoin surges to another all-time high. This morning, you can see here above $66,000 here. Wow, look at that soar. Ether is higher by about 2%. Bitcoin is a bit lower, but still, again, as I mentioned, 66,000. Litecoin higher by three three quarters of a percent. Uh, And you can see here, we're going to talk later in the show about the reasons behind these moves. You're going to have to stay tuned for that for a little tease for you. And then let's get to your stock of the day. Tesla posting record revenue and profits for the third quarter, results driven by improving gross margins and appearing to rise above the global chip shortage. Tesla shares here at $859, but down about three quarters of a percent. We're going to have much more on that stock throughout the hour and how Wall Street may react to it today when those bells sound. Well, around the world, a mixed picture overnight as Asia shares of Evergrande resume trading after a week's long halt. Much more on that in just a moment. But first, let's get to Europe, where the trading day is just getting started. Our Juliana Tettelbaum is in our London newsroom with the early movers. Good morning, Juliana. 
Courtney, good morning. So here in Europe, despite what has been a generally positive morning for corporate earnings, European equities are edging lower. Yesterday, the stock 600 did eke out about 0.14% worth of gains, its fifth positive session in the last six. So a little bit of a retreat after the strong run for European markets. The Swiss index, the only one trading in the green this morning, up about 16 basis points, otherwise a generally broad-based pullback. But earnings front and center this morning. So let me get into the key movers for you. Starting with Barclays, the bank exceeded analysts' expectations with its third quarter results. Uh, and we saw from Barclays, uh, the trading in the quarter was bolstered by uh, strong returns in investment banking. CEO Jez Staley told CNBC this morning he's optimistic about the lender's performance for the rest of the year. All the businesses are doing quite well. Um, uh, so we feel very good about the third quarter, very good about uh, the year to date. And, you know, for many years we were being asked the question, how does Barclays get to its target return on capital of 10% or better? And I think 2021 will be a pretty strong answer to that question. Meanwhile, Unilever reported a beat in third quarter sales and maintained its full year margin guidance despite rising cost pressures. Unilever shares up 3.2 percent. And finally, SAP in the technology space confirmed its third quarter preliminary earnings and is sticking to its recently raised guidance. Courtney, we'll hand it back over to you. Thank you very much, Juliana. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. We're back in Asia after lifting a trading halt that lasted more than two weeks. Shares of Everbrand sinking once again. This is the Chinese real estate giant said plans to sell its property services division fell apart. Our own Eunice Yoon joins us now from Beijing with more. Hi, Eunice. Hey, Courtney. Well, that deal was meant to raise $2.6 billion for the struggling Chinese property developer. But the company told the Hong Kong Stock Exchange late last night that it wasn't able to come to terms with the buyer, a smaller rival called Hobson, for a 50.1 uh, percent or 50 point, yeah, 50.1 percent stake in its property services business. So um, that didn't go over very well for a lot of investors in um, Evergrande-related stocks. Uh, the stock itself had dropped by 14 percent at one point. Um, anything related to it also fell. Hobson, though, saw its shares rally as investors thought maybe it dodged a bullet. So uh, a report that Evergrande had secured a three-month extension on a defaulted bond also didn't soothe investors. The chairman reportedly promised that uh, he would invest his own personal wealth into a residential project that was associated with this $260 million bond uh, to guarantee that that residential project would be completed. Uh, people still uh, didn't actually think that that would be enough. And sentiment in the sector on the whole is quite fragile. In fact, ratings agency Fitch has put 29 developers on criteria observation, downgraded two other smaller developers. There was also other news that uh, fueled concerns of contagion in the sector. China states, for one, said that it would book a loss of $29 million in its current fiscal year because of a sale of bond issued by another property developer. And Modern Land also said, Courtney, that it is not uh, looking again to find an extension for one of its bonds. So a lot of uncertainty right now in this sector. Absolutely. And th this weekend, of course, is going to be a key deadline. What will all of this do for Evergrande's chances of not defaulting on the debt payments this weekend? 
Yeah, well, that is a, a very, very important question and one that a lot of the foreign bondholders are hoping is going to uh, come up with some sort of resolution. A lot of people are saying that this is going to um, really lower the chances that uh, the company would be able to um, really pull anything out of its hat in order to try to avoid what they see as a hard restructuring. Hmm. Wow, very interesting story. Thank you for continuing to follow it for us. Yunus Yoon in Beijing. Well, back to the markets and specifically the S&P 500, which appears to be shaking itself out a lot more after a lot after this month long funk, she tried to say. The index is just a fraction below its all time high of 4535.95 set on September 2nd. So since that day, the S&P fell more than 5% through October 4th when it started to make this furious climb back up just ahead of the start of earnings season. So let's talk more about this with Craig Johnson. He's the chief market technician at Piper Sandler. Craig, it's nice to have you here with us this morning. Uh, what do you make of this, this recent leg up, this stretch higher the S&P 500 has begun to make? Is it sustainable as we start to hear more details from the corporates that are reporting their quarterly results? Courtney, I think it absolutely is. This market is truly climbing the proverbial wall of worry. And every single kind of new brick in the wall that you're seeing at this point in time is whether it's concerns about Evergrande, whether it's concerns about uh, growth coming out of China, whether it's concerns uh, about what we see happening with higher gas prices. It's just another brick in the wall that this market is climbing over, and it's climbing it over because earnings estimates still continue to be very strong. Estimates coming in for the third quarter earnings continue to keep rising, and we are looking at over $204 in earnings this year, $222 in earnings next year, and uh, that has kind of been what is helping this market push its way to new highs. And the correction that we had seen in September, Courtney, it's over. We reversed the downtrend. We're breaking back above, uh, very close to breaking out the new highs. Perhaps we could do that in the next couple of days. And we're starting to see the breadth of this market improve and momentum indicators are improving. This is a market that's got more room to go. We still think 46.25 is an achievable objective. And uh, we're, we're on the right track. And there's a lot of stocks that we can see underneath the surface that are starting to improve, specifically in financials, also in the energy sector, too. And so you don't think that inflation is going to put the brakes at all on S&P 500's sort of traction towards that 4625 number? You know, not at this point in time. I mean, when you look at where the 10-year bond yield's at at this point in time, we're, you know, we're looking, we're around 163, 164 right now before we came in. And uh, we think we're going to be in this 150 to 175 range by year end. I don't think that's going to be a, a major hurdle. It's going to be a psychological hurdle in the short term here, but I think that this isn't going to be a problem until you see 10-year bond yields north of, say, 275. And that's mm -hmm. when you start having a real uh, concern, because that reverses a long-term downtrend going all the way back to 1981 for 10-year bond yields. With rates moving up in here a little bit, it's going to be great for financials, and every portfolio manager is trying to figure out how they should be positioned here in the fourth quarter and into year-end. Financials is a sector you need to be overweight and energy. Nobody wants to be there, Courtney. I've hmm. talked about it ad nauseum with people. They don't want to be there. It's a small part of the market. But when you start looking at stocks like Range Resources, you start looking at Halliburton, you start looking at Holicorp, all these stocks are reversing multi-year downtrends. And if you're looking to find alpha, that's the place to be. 
that is interesting, of course, energy had been beaten down for so long, but has really found some legs as the price of the underlying commodity, WTI, of course, is moving higher. And we mentioned is just around $83 a barrel. So beyond some of those energy names and some of those financial names, I understand that you have some other uh, sort of technical opportunities that you've identified. Can you share some of those with us for the viewers? Absolutely. So just this week, we actually upgraded the technology sector from neutral to overweight. We downgraded the consumer cyclical sector. And uh, a lot of those reasons are technically based. But bottom line is we're starting to see a pickup in relative outperformance in technology versus what we're seeing in the consumer cyclical sector. So some of the stocks that we've called out uh, to be positive in here, we've owned things like Apple on the large cap side of things. We've also looked at Fortinet, ticker FTNT, as another play on the cybersecurity side of the world. Um, Also CRM uh, is also another positive, constructive-looking stock. And then also, uh, you know, we mentioned energy. We did upgrade that, as I had mentioned uh, just a moment ago, from neutral to overweight. And we did ground, downgrade the basic materials as we're starting to see these changes inside the market. You know, some of the, one of the observations that some of the long-term technicians have always said to me is one of the healthiest things you can have for any sort of bull market is internal rotation. And you've definitely been seeing that. And it's definitely been a challenge for a lot of portfolio managers this year. But if you just step back and follow that uh, momentum and that rotation, you're going to be in the right areas of the market. And again, tech is, is one of those areas I think you need to be in right now. And by the way, Courtney, you can sidestep some of these supply chain concerns hmm. um, by moving into tech. And think about things like Netflix. Even though you had a little bit of a you know, soft print on the earnings right. side, you know, it's a good stock to be in. Huh. Yeah, and I still got to catch up on Squid Games, which apparently I'm well behind on and everyone else is uh, is all about. Well, Craig Johnson, thank you for getting up early and joining us here this morning. Craig Johnson of Piper Sandler. Well, when we come back, Bitcoin surging to a record all-time high. Find out what's really fueling the surge that's coming up next. Plus, former President Donald Trump following through on threats to take on Facebook, Twitter, and the rest of big tech and using a SPAC to do it. And later, Democrats pivot their plans to fund President Biden's massive spending plan. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. Well, Bitcoin pulling back slightly this morning after breaking through a new all-time high yesterday of 65,320. You can see now it's at 66,358 on the U.S. Coin Metrics Exchange here. And this comes as investors celebrated the launch of Wall Street's first ever Bitcoin futures ETF and anticipate the start of a second Bitcoin tracking ETF that starts trading tomorrow. But others on Wall Street say it's not the excitement around the ETF that's driving the Bitcoin buying. It's actually 
inflation concerns. A note from J.P. Morgan yesterday reads, quote, we believe the perception of Bitcoin as a better inflation hedge than gold is the main reason for the current upswing, triggering a shift away from gold ETFs into Bitcoin funds since September. That sentiment echoed in comments from billionaire investor Paul Tudor Jones on Squawk Box yesterday. I do think we're moving into an increasingly digitized world. Clearly, there's a place for crypto, and clearly it's winning the race against gold at the moment, right? Um, so, so, yes, I would, I would think that would also be a very good inflation hedge. It would be my preferred one over gold at the moment. Joining me now is Jeremy Welch. He's Chief Product Officer at Global Crypto Exchange Kraken. So obviously, Jeremy, given your position, you probably are in favor of Bitcoin for a lot of different investment reasons. But are you generally in agreement with Paul Tudor Jones that it is uh, moving higher because of investors looking at it as an inflation hedge? That is one of a few factors. Uh, There's clear excitement for the ETF. There's clear excitement uh, for the adoption that we're seeing, even in trends like NFTs. Uh, but the inflation hedge is definitely another concern for many investors, uh, and many investors are coming to Bitcoin because of that. So whenever we speak with guests about Bitcoin that invest in more traditional assets, one of their critiques of cryptocurrency is that it doesn't often move on fundamentals, that it can often move for technical reasons or for reasons that many of us have a hard time figuring out what the the impetus is for the move. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that the more and more that we're talking about Bitcoin, the more and more it could be used as something like an inflation hedge, the more reasons it has to move for fundamental factors? So the main main reasons we see for uh, price changes in Bitcoin are typically around adoption um, or around new technical advances. Um, And between both of those, uh, any announcement like this ETF uh, that gets greater adoption and it signals a uh, strong market movement is, is going to affect price. Uh, but another major marker that you can see that the fundamentals for Bitcoin, because this is, this is open source money. Uh, so the fundamentals for Bitcoin are really the technical changes. Uh, you can see these live. Uh, that's, that's unlike any other kind of money before, uh, because you can see, again, the changes to the currency. Uh, you can see how it works directly. Uh, and so those technical changes uh, for Bitcoin, for Ethereum, for Polkadot, for many other currencies uh, are definitely one of the price drivers whenever there's a new launch. And so, of course, this, this new Bitcoin ETF is down just slightly here in, in pre-market trading, but it's already valued at uh, more than more than a billion dollars in assets in just two days. What does it mean for your company, Kraken, now that this Bitcoin ETF is trading and that we have another one waiting in the wings here to launch on Friday? So this is just another signal as to the adoption uh, of Bitcoin, of cryptocurrencies, uh, much more widely. Uh, the, you know, the ProShares ETF specifically uh, is very exciting for us. Uh, it actually uses the CF Bitcoin U.S. settlement price uh, from CF Benchmarks, which is one of our Kraken subsidiaries uh, that provides index indices uh, for products like this to use and launch. Uh, and so we're very excited because this is using one of our, our products. But Kraken uh, is one of the largest running exchanges out there. We just launched a consumer app in the last year, and we're up with millions of downloads, millions of new customers coming on board uh, this year. Uh, and so we're, we're thrilled with the adoption this year. Of course, uh, the price is exciting, too, but the overall adoption is the biggest story for us. And so when, when it comes to adoption and when it comes to your clients, you just mentioned the app, of course. What is the demographic background of, of your clients, of your customers? Does it tend to be young people or are you getting more traditional 
investors that have looked at, at things like bonds and equities for investment interested in using your platform to trade cryptocurrencies as well? It's really all ages. Um, we see all ages, all backgrounds. Uh, we have an entire division dedicated towards professional traders uh, and institutions. We also have an entire division dedicated towards consumers. Uh, and again, we have a division uh, dedicated towards building indices products uh, for institutional buyers, uh, enterprise buyers uh, that want to use that to build products. So uh, we see interest from uh, the you know, financial product builders. We see interest from uh, traditional investors now. Uh, and we see interest uh, from a lot of young people too. Uh, you see this big, uh, big wave around NFTs. Uh, and there's uh, just, uh, again, we're, we're seeing this from all ages, uh, all backgrounds, uh, and everywhere over the world. Kraken supports customers in over 170 countries. Uh, and again, this is a worldwide phenomenon around uh, cryptocurrency adoption and the excitement of this new technology. You know, I remember it was a couple of years ago when everyone uh, went home and, and sat around their Thanksgiving tables and, and Christmas time. And, you know, your uncle that always asks you about stock advice starts asking you about cryptocurrencies. And we saw this huge leg higher around the holidays. Do you expect that that's going to become a regular occurrence? And will that happen again this year? Uh, it is certainly possible. You know, we have uh, we have seen several waves of Bitcoin adoption uh, and we've seen several waves of Bitcoin price bull runs. Uh, and so it is certainly possible that we will see something similar. Uh, you know, one thing about uh, uncles or aunts at uh, the Thanksgiving table is that everybody uh, is up this year. Uh, everybody is up with this new uh, uh, price uh, high that we're hitting over $66,000. That means everybody that's invested over the last several years is now up. Um, and we do expect to see some continued price growth, although it's hard to say where exactly it will land uh, around Christmas time or through the end of the year. Yeah, it's uh, hard to believe that we're sitting above 66,000. Thank you very much, Jeremy Welch, for joining us here Thank today you. to talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and various trading platforms. Well, still on deck, your big money movers, including a black eye for Big Blue. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, HP Inc. Shares are jumping after the company raised its dividend and gave a bullish outlook for the upcoming fiscal year. That's being driven in part by an aggressive stock buyback plan. It also comes despite the fact that HP expects PC and printer shipments to be hampered by supply chain issues into next year. Stock number two, IBM. Shares are dropping after the company's third quarter revenue fell well short of forecast and slower spending by customers and lower than expected cloud revenue. IBM also assuring investors the spinoff of its infrastructure service business won't cause a disruption as long-term contracts may get split or renegotiated. And finally, CSX, the railroad operator, reported better than expected third quarter results as revenue rebounds faster than expenses. CXS says that it's working with customers to try to overcome supply chain issues. That is the ongoing theme. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. Good morning, Philip. It's good to see you. 
Hi, Courtney. Good to see you. Good morning. A bombshell discovery in a Florida nature reserve. The FBI has found human remains in the same area as personal items belonging to Gabby Petito's fiance, Brian Laundrie. The 23-year-old is wanted for questioning in the disappearance of his fiance, Gabby Petito, as well as debit card fraud charges. He's been on the run for nearly a month. His parents say he went hiking in a local reserve and never returned. The two were on a cross-country road trip, but in early September, Laundrie returned home without Petito. She was later found dead in a Wyoming national forest. An autopsy revealed she was strangled. A consumer alert, it may be a good idea to toss out onions you might have. The CDC is warning that fresh whole onions are causing an outbreak of salmonella across at least 37 states. Over 600 illnesses have been reported with more than 100 people hospitalized. The CDC says that contaminated onions were imported from Chihuahua, Mexico and distributed by ProSource. If you don't know where your onions came from, it's probably just a good idea to throw them out. Finally, the NFL is coming to terms to end a practice that uses race as a factor in its billion-dollar concussion settlement with former players. This means that players' cognitive test scores will not be readjusted based on race. The New York Times reports black players who potentially missed out on the settlement due to race norming will have the opportunity to have their tests rescored. In a statement, a lawyer for the NFL said the league looks forward to a judge's approval of that agreement. Those are the headlines from here. Courtney, back to you. Philip, thank you very much for joining us here this morning. A lot of news. Well, straight ahead, more boosters, more choices. As the FDA clears the way for Johnson & Johnson and Moderna, next stop, the CDC. Worldwide Exchange is back right after this. Futures struggling to keep the rally alive as stocks hover just below record all-time highs and investors brace for another batch of earnings. Former President Trump taking big tech and the truth into his own hands and using one of Wall Street's new favorite tools to do it, get ready for SPAC Trump. And a seismic shift in D.C. as Democrats pivot the playbook when it comes to funding President Biden's multi-trillion dollar spending plans. It's Thursday, October 21st, 2021, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Courtney Reagan in this morning for Brian Sullivan here at CNBC Global Headquarters. Here's how stock futures are looking as we're halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time uh, hour here. We have the futures down lower. Dow Jones Industrial Average down by 104 points. S&P 500 off by about 10. And the Nasdaq lower by 20 points. At least that's the indications right now as these earnings continue to pour in. Of course, inflation concerns continue to dominate the conversation on earnings calls from Nestle to Brinker. And right here on CNBC. All of our contacts are just saying those shortages and those bottlenecks are going to last longer than we originally expected. But I still think that as those wear off and as firms real, can navigate that, um, we'll see inflation readings come back down. I do think that actually the inflation which we see right now is obviously also driven by certain supply chain uh, problems which we have worldwide. That will a little bit de-escalate, I think, over the next couple of months. But I'm a firm believer that we will see the inflation for longer. It's not just temporary. I do worry about inflation. I do worry about our government because, you know, each government we have is worse than the last. 
I worry about them raising interest rates, which we don't need. I worry about pulling out of Afghanistan too early. I can tell you a lot of things I worry about. We're going to continue to talk about the markets and the wall of worry as the hour goes on. But let's get to some of this morning's top stories. Silvana Hanau is here. Silvana, good morning. It's good to see you. Good morning, Courtney. Good to see you. Former President Donald Trump says he will be launching his very own media network, including a social media platform called Truth Social. This in order to, quote, stand up to the tyranny of big tech. The app appears to be the first project of the Trump Media and Technology Group, which will list on the Nasdaq through a SPAC merger with Digital World Acquisition Group. The transaction values TMTG at up to $1.7 billion. The new company, which lists Trump's private club Mar-a-Lago as its address, will be chaired by the former president, who says that this group's mission is to create a rival to the liberal media consortium. Trump remains barred from using Twitter and Facebook. And a busy day for the FDA after it authorized booster shots for Johnson & Johnson and Moderna's COVID vaccines, while at the same time authorizing the, quote, mixing and matching of COVID vaccines, which will allow Americans to get a booster shot from a different drug maker than the one that made their initial doses. The ruling will now be handed off to the CDC and its Vaccine Advisory Committee, which has scheduled a meeting today to discuss the booster data. Courtney, back to you. Thank you very much, Silvana. Sure thing. Well, now to one of your morning's big money movers, Tesla. Shares of Tesla after hours, not much moved on this one. And this morning here down just about three quarters of a percent after the company's posted record revenue and profit in the third quarter, driven in part by improved gross margins and its ability to navigate supply chain disruptions. For more, let's bring in Garrett Nelson, CFRA senior analyst. Garrett, thank you so much for being here this morning. We didn't see a huge stock reaction to the results this time around. And the call, a bit more muted, I guess, without Elon Musk. What was your initial take on the results? Sure. Thanks for having me. Well, these were solid results all around. In fact, it was the eighth quarter in the last nine in which their earnings have beat consensus. <clears throat> so Tesla's execution has really been outstanding over the last couple of years. Now, the problem with that is that this has really become the expectation with Tesla, and in our opinion, the stock is, is really priced to perfection at these levels. So despite a significant beat, uh, the stock traded down slightly after hours post-release. And um, I think there's also elevated worries regarding the near term in, in 2022 uh, regarding some of these supply chain issues and chip shortages, hmm. which could impact um, their operational results in the coming quarters. And, and I see here that you have a hold on the stock, but you're actually raising your price target target from 750 to 875. And we're not that far away from 875 right now. So do you believe the stock will sort of remain range bound once we hit that point? We do. I mean, this stock uh, in 2020, Tesla was up more than 700 percent. And at these levels, uh, trading uh, roughly at 100 times our 2023 estimate, uh, we think is, is fair value. We also have concerns about increasing competition in the electric vehicle space from the likes of uh, Lucid, Rivian, and others. The traditional automakers are increasing their electric vehicle investments significantly. Um, so we have concerns about increased competition and, and also the semiconductor issue, we think is going to become more of an issue in, uh, in 2022 as they ramp their production even more when the uh, Texas and 
Germany factories come online uh, by year end. Yeah, certainly a, a lot of unknowns there about what will go on with sort of those inputs into these Tesla vehicles. What about the um, NHTSA investigation into the autopilot system after reports of some crashes? Is that at all a drag on the stock for you? It, it is a concern. I would put that, um, you know, lower on the list of concerns, though. Uh, you know, Tesla has had many uh, probes over the years and, um you know, we really worry more about increased competition in in the chip issue than that. So, you know, but they continue to defy expectations. As I mentioned, you know, eight out of the last nine quarters, they beat consensus. The gross margin for the quarter, uh, automotive gross margin was over 30%, which was record high. And uh, they're really firing all all cylinders. However, they can only control what they can control. And we think that chip issue Mm -hmm. could really uh, catch up to them. And you know, their, their, their commentary, both in the release and on the conference call, was much more cautious than it has been uh, in, over the last couple quarters. Yeah, the supply chain and the semiconductor shortage, certainly top of mind for many companies, Tesla included. Garrett Nelson, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you. Well, coming up, talk about a busy runway. Investors bracing for a string of airline results. Top-ranked aerospace analyst it will be here to join us ahead of the tape for all that you need to know and be prepared for. But first, as we had to break some of your other top stories, Equinox is in talks to go public risk back acquisition after talks with one of Shama Paul Hapatia's blank check companies fell through. According to reports, deliberations are ongoing and may not result in a transaction. Coconut beverage maker Vita Coco reportedly priced its IPO below the reported range of $18 to $21. Vita Coco and its existing shareholders sold 11.5 million shares yesterday for 15 bucks each after marketing them for $18 to $21. And according to a new report from executive search and leadership advisory firm Spencer Stewart, for the first time ever, 30% of all S&P 500 board of directors are women. In addition... Of the 456 new independent directors added to the S&P 500 boards through May 2021, 79% are minority men and women. We're back after this. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, Las Vegas Sands, the casino operator reporting a smaller loss in the third quarter as revenue improved. But COVID-related travel restrictions in Macau and Singapore, as well as slow tourism, continue to hurt results. Stock two. Canadian National. The Wall Street Journal reports activist investor Elliott Management has a big stake in the railroad operator that adds to the pressure on the company after its CEO resigned this week in the wake of a failed bid for rival Kansas City Southern. Canadian National is already facing a proxy fight from another activist, TCI, which is seeking several board seats. And finally, Lamb Research. Shares are lower, even as the chip equipment maker reported record first quarter profit and revenue and predicted a similar performance this quarter. Lamb has posted more than $1 billion in profit for three straight quarters. And we are keeping an eye on three airline stocks today, all set to report quarterly results, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, and Alaska Air. This after Delta and United both reported better-than-expected results, with Delta actually posting a profit. United CEO Scott Kirby also telling CNBC yesterday that he believes the industry has bottomed out. Joining us now is Sheila Kialyu. She is Jeffrey's aerospace and defense analyst. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us here today. So we have a little bit of information so far from some of the airlines that you cover, including United. We saw a surprise profit there from Delta. What do you like so far about what you've heard from these two and what might it portend for what we are yet to hear today? 
So we did see a surprise profit out of Delta and United. Um, these companies pre-announced, so their revenues were pretty much known that they're 30% below 2019 levels, give or take, on the average for the group. Um, what we saw from United is shifting the conversation from cost to capacity. So one of the headwinds for the airlines in Q4 is fuel cost. Fuel uh, is up 80% year to date. You're basically at 2018 levels, even though revenues are 30, 40% below prior peaks. So you're seeing that as a major headwind. It's going to take a lag four to six months to pass that price increase onto the consumer. So you're, you're talking about some cost headwinds into Q4 with fuel comprising about 30% of costs for the airlines. So United did something interesting yesterday. They shifted the conversation away from the cost into capacity into 2022. And they're saying that they're going to see international capacity 10% above 2019 levels, which was very surprising and quite aggressive to us. And domestic capacity is going to be flat with 2019 levels. So they're going to see some massive aggressive ramps in the international side. And given a, given United is more focused on uh, the Pacific, they are going to be more, um, and the Pacific is the latest region to recover, they are going to be more focused on increasing capacity in the Atlantic, the Middle East, India, uh, and parts of uh, Asia, uh, Africa. And then as, as we look to, to American Airlines, which is reporting today, of course, we still have yet to see the return of the business passenger, at least at, at anywhere near the levels that we had previous to the pandemic. How important will the expectations for that be as investors try to sort of gauge who might be better prepared to deal with the uncertainty that continues for these major airlines? That's a great point, Courtney. Heading into this earnings season, we thought it was all about bookings, given leisure is essentially at 2019 levels for the U.S. airlines. So it would be about corporate, which is 30 to 50 percent, give or take, depending on the airline, for their top line, but also a bigger part of their uh, earnings, just given uh, the yields for corporate customers are higher. Uh, but United has started to shift that capacity to the longer longer term. Um, so for American, we're, we're looking for color on what they're seeing for bookings. The commentary from Delta and United has been very robust in what they're seeing into October so far. Um, so more of the same from uh, from American. Uh, and American is well positioned, as is Delta, given their corporate hubs tend to be in the southwest U.S. and uh, southern U.S., and that's where it's picking up mm. versus San Fran, Chicago, and New York, Newark for United which we think will see a slower recovery. And when you look at Southwest, obviously it was now several weekends ago that they had that weekend of major cancellations. And I believe we were speaking with one analyst that said, look, it's, it's a bigger problem than one weekend because it is, it is a hit to revenue when sort of every seat matters as the airlines are, are coming back. What do you think that portends for what we could hear uh, from Southwest and, and how they will be prepared to move forward here? And especially try to get back some of the loyalty they might have lost with some of those customers that were left high and dry that weekend. I, I think it's a difficult, it's not only for Southwest, we're seeing it across the industry uh, in, in terms of just operational issues as you've seen capacity come back on pretty quickly and you're seeing, you know, ri rising fuel costs, but wage inflation is an issue across the industry, not only the airlines, but also our aerospace and defense coverage as well. Um, so you, you're seeing those issues magnified. So I don't think Southwest will be alone, although obviously they were under the magnifying glass with their uh, issues that one weekend. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sheila K.I.U., thank you very much for being here with us today. Going through this, we will wait to see what we will hear from American Airlines and Southwest. A programming note, don't miss the CEOs of all three airlines that are reporting today joining the network throughout the day. Well, as we had to break, check out shares of China's Evergrande back open for trade overnight in Asia after a two-week halt. Shares sinking after the highly indebted property giant's efforts to sell its services unit for some $2.6 billion collapsed. The company also reportedly securing a rare three-month extension on the maturity of one of its bonds. No comment from Evergrande on that report. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're following a developing story out of Washington, a split in the Democratic Party on taxes as the deadline nears. Elon Moy joins us on the CNBC Newsline with the latest. Good morning, Elon. Well, good morning to you, Courtney. Yeah, I mean, it had seemed that raising the corporate tax rate was a sure thing for Democrats. But that is now in jeopardy because of opposition from Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. The moderate Democrat has been skeptical of the size and scope of the social spending package. And now she appears to be holding out on the plan to pay for that as well. Now, two sources are telling me that her opposition to an increase in the corporate tax rate or the top individual rate is now forcing Democrats to search for other ways to raise revenue in case she doesn't end up coming around. They said there was a call with the White House yesterday that focused on a couple of key proposals. That includes a new tax on stock buybacks, which potentially could be structured as a 2% excise tax, a corporate minimum tax based on book income, though the White House and the Senate do have different methods for doing that, reforming the international tax code, that came up as well, as well as ramping up tax enforcement. Now, Democrats are hoping that would be enough to cover the cost of the social spending package, especially since the price tag is shrinking. But those negotiations are still in flux, and progressives might not be happy with that approach. Just think about the protesters who followed cinema into the bathroom or who surrounded Senator Joe Manchin's houseboat in D.C. There are some big gaps to close if Democrats want to reach an agreement on a framework this week, Courtney. And I'm starting to hear some of them push back against the idea that they're on a deadline at all. Oh, wow. Elon, this always seems to come to the 11th hour. Following into the bathroom and stalking on houseboats, this is a, a level of intensity for certain. Remind us where we stand right now, or we think we stand, on the Democrats' plan to sort of do, to place a tax on um, the bank accounts or the inflows and outflows for, for the year and what that means for people that use Venmo. Yeah, well, this is something that has been a point of contention within the Democratic Party as well. And essentially, what they appear to now have agreed on is to set a $10,000 annual transaction threshold for new reporting requirements to the IRS. So what that means is if you had $10,000 either coming in or going out of your bank account, over the course of a year, you would then have to file additional information to the IRS. Originally, that threshold had $600, and a lot of people felt like that was just simply too low, would have caught too many people um, in different types of bank accounts. Um, so now that threshold, Democrats are agreeing, should be lifted, and they're hoping that that will help them get their caucus on board with that because they expect that, that could raise hundreds of billions of dollars, again, to pay for this package, especially if they're not going to have to raise the corporate tax rate uh, because of Senator Sinema's opposition. They're going to need to find other ways to raise money. Yeah, that's that's been one of those water cooler conversations I've had with a number of friends wondering if, if that is going to be the case. And then lastly, before we let you go on, on your final point about Democrats wondering if, if there is a deadline at all, if, if that is the case, what is 
the next big time frame that we all should be paying attention to for decisions to be made? Yeah, so it is true that there are there is new urgency in these talks. Um, the Senate wants to reach some sort of an agreement on a framework this week. The House is pushing back on whether that's possible. Um, but publicly, uh, they had set a deadline of the end of this month to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill as well as the social spending package. That is very ambitious. That's like next week. <laughs> so it's, right now, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to reach, meet that deadline, but they want to be able to show progress. Uh, before the end of the month so that President Biden can go to his international trips, the G20 and uh, the Glasgow uh, climate meetings, and say that they're getting something done. Hmm. Fascinating stuff, Elon. I know you'll continue to follow it for us. Thank you. Well, now let's turn back to the markets here. Futures indicating a lower open on Wall Street across the board here for the three major averages. Dow Jones Industrial Average have improved just a bit, down about 91 points. S&P 500 down nine points, and the Nasdaq indicating a lower open to about the tune of 18 points. With the Dow still hovering near a new record high, however, Keith Lerner is the co-chief investment officer of Truist Advisory Services. Keith, thank you very much for joining us here today. We, we had market technician... Um, on earlier this, in the show from Piper Sandler, who was really very bullish, and he's looking at 46.25 as his target year-end for the S&P 500. Do you believe that equities can continue to climb this wall of worry and, and move us higher, or could we do for be due for another pullback? Well, first, Courtney, great to be with you, as always. Um, we are positive into year-end. In fact, we told our clients at the end of September to use that pullback to position for further strength into year-end. Now, we've had a 5% rise in just a couple of weeks, so it would be perfectly normal to see some choppiness over the next week or two. But we are now in a very seasonally positive period. The cyclical areas of the market are improving. And one of our key points is we think the market is now, or the economy is now set up for positive surprises after we saw a pretty noticeable slowdown in the third quarter because of the COVID trends. So we do think there is more ammunition for this market to rise into year end. Of course, we're going to continue to hear from a number of corporates reporting their quarterly results. And I'm sure a lot of the commentary will have to center Mm -hmm. around the the problems in the supply chain, the chip shortage, uh, potential other worries about return to normalcy with COVID. Do you really foresee any of that to be an issue for investors or is that something that we're all just expecting and that we can sort of hunker down and look through the numbers and the expectations and really focus on that as key points? Yeah. Well, the first thing is there's always this ongoing carousel of concerns. I do think some of these issues you raise, especially on the supply chain, make, um, basically means there's going to be some areas that outperform other areas. So think about right now the consumer staples area, an area we've been underweight for several months, is having a tough time uh, pushing through those increased prices. However, um, if you think about um, like places like finances or energy that actually benefit from a little bit of inflation, don't have a lot of inventory, but also benefit from a little bit higher rates and, and good demand from the economy. Those are two areas that we like. It's interesting because, you know, look at the energy sector. It's up a lot this year, but energy prices or crude oil prices are at the highest level since 2014. The energy sector is still 25% below where it was a few mm-hmm. years ago. And then financials have just made um, a new high this year after not, you know, after not doing much over the last 14 years. Keith Lerner, you and Craig Johnson both looking at financials and energy here today. Thank you very much for joining us. Keith Lerner from Truist Financial. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange Futures. 
are lower across the board here with a couple hours to go until the opening bell sounds. We'll see if we break the winning streak that we've been seeing for the major averages. The Dow Jones Industrials down by 91 points. NASDAQ off by 20. S&P down by 9. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 